0: From the East Coast and the sunny shores of South Carolina, welcome to Dark Reality. We'll be discussing the unknown from cryptoids to conspiracy theories and unusual happenings. I'm your host, John Ringo. Welcome to Dark Realities. Good evening and welcome to Dark Reality. Tonight's episode, The Rake. During the summer of 2003, events in the northeastern United States involving a strange human-like creature sparked brief local media interest before an apparent blackout. Little to no information was left intact, as most online and written accounts of the creature were mysteriously destroyed, primarily focused in rural New York State, and once found in Idaho. self-proclaimed witness told stories of their encounters with a creature of unknown origin. Emotions range from extremely traumatic levels of fright and discomfort to an almost childlike sense of playfulness and curiosity. While the published versions are no longer in record, the memories remain powerful. Several of the involved parties began looking for answers that very same year. In early 2006, the collaboration had accumulated nearly two dozen documents dating between the 12th century and present day. In early 2006, the collaboration had accumulated two dozen documents. And they read as such. A Suicide Note, 1964. As I prepare to take my life, I feel it necessary to assuage any guilt or pain I have induced through this act. It is not the fault of anyone other than him. For once I awoke and felt his presence, once I awoke and felt his presence, once I awoke and felt his presence. Once again, I awoke and heard his voice and looked into his eyes. I cannot sleep without fear of what I might next awake to experience. I cannot ever wake goodbye. Found in the same wooden box, there were two empty envelopes addressed to William and Rose. And one loose personal letter with no envelope one of the one of the envelopes read, "Dear Lenny, I have prayed for you. He has spoke your name. The next one, a journal entry." 1880. I have experienced the greatest terror. I have experienced the greatest terror. I have experienced the greatest terror. I see his eyes when I close mine. They are hollow, black. They saw me and pierced me. His wet hand. I will not sleep. His voice. A Mariner's Log, 1691. He came to me in my sleep. From the foot of my bed, I felt a sensation. He took everything. We must return to England. We shall not return here again at the request of the rake. From a witness, 2006. Three years ago, I had returned from a trip to Niagara Falls with my family for the 4th of July. We were all very exhausted after a long day of driving. So my husband and I put put the kids right to bed and called it a night. At around 4 a.m., I woke up thinking my husband had gotten up to use the restroom. I used the moment to steal back into the sheets only to wake him in the process. I apologized and told him. I thought he had gotten out of bed when he returned to face me. He gasped and pulled the sheet from the end of the bed so quickly his knees almost knocked me out. after adjusting to the dark for the half-second. I was able to see what caused the strange reaction. At the foot of the bed, sitting facing away from us, there was what appeared to be a naked man or a large hairless dog of some sort. Its body positioned in a disturbing and unusual fashion, as if it had been hit by a car or something. For some reason, I was not instantly frightened by it, but more concerned as to its condition. At this point, I was somewhat under the assumption that we were supposed to help him my husband was peering over the aim of his knee tucked into the fetal position occasionally glancing at me before returning to the creature in a flurry moment and a strange motion the creature scrambled around the side of the bed, and then crawled quickly into a fatality sort of motion, right along the bed until it was less than a foot from my husband's face. The creature was completely silent for about 30 seconds. It felt like more like five minutes. Just looking at my husband. The creature then placed its hand on his knee and ran into the hallway leading to the kids' rooms. I screamed. I ran for the light switch, planning to stop him before he hurt my children. When I got to the hallway, The light from the bedroom was enough to see it crouching and hunched over about twenty feet away. He turned around and looked directly at me, covered in blood. I flipped the switch on the wall and saw my daughter Clara. The creature ran down the stairs while my husband and I rushed up to help my daughter. She was very badly injured and spoke only one more word in her short life. She said it was the rake. My husband drove his car into the lake that night while rushing our daughter to the hospital. They did not survive. Being a small town, news got around pretty quickly. The police were helpful at first, and the local newspaper took a lot of interest as well. However, the story was never published, and the local television news never followed up either. For several months, my son Justin and I stayed in a hotel near my parents' home. After we decided to return home, I began looking for answers myself. I eventually located a man in the next town over who had sim- who had a similar story. We got in contact with each other and began taking notes. He knew of two other people in New York who had seen the creature. We now refer to as the Rake. It took the four of us about two solid years of hunting on the Internet and writing letters to come up with a small collection of what we believe to be accounts of the rake. None of them gave any details, history, or follow-up. One journal had entry involving the creature in its first three pages and never mentioned it again the ship's log explained nothing of the encounter saying only that we were told to leave by the rake that was the last entry in the log there were however many instances where the creatures visit was one of a series of visits with the same person. Multiple people also mentioned being spoken to, my daughter included. This led us to wonder if the rake had visited any of us before our last encounter. I set up a digital recorder near the bed and left it running all night long, every night, for about two weeks. I would tediously scan through the sound of the rolling around in my bed, of me rolling around in my bed each night. Every day when I I awoke, by the end of the second week, I was quite used to the occasional sound of sleeping while blurring through the recording at eight times the normal speed. On the first day of the third week, I thought I heard something different. What I found was a shrill voice. It was the rake. I can't listen to it long enough. To even begin to transcribe it. I haven't let anyone listen to it yet. All I know is that I've heard it before. And now, I believe, it spoke when it was sitting in front of my husband, now that I recall. I don't remember hearing anything at that time, but for some reason... The voice on the recorder immediately brings me back to that moment. The thoughts that must have gone through my daughter's head make me very upset. I have not seen the rake since it ruined my life. But I know that he's been in my room while I slept. I know and fear that one night I'll wake up to see him staring at me. So, Victoria. Hi. <laughs> so what do you think about the rakes?
1: Well he's fairly new for uh urban legend. I've never heard of him before. But uh I was looking around it said that he's uh, it describes him as a humanoid creature and it has uh, pale white skin usually about six feet tall but he's always on all fours like he scampers towards you and the reason why they call it the rake is because he has these long claws somewhat similar to a, a, a yard rake and plus he's When he travels, he's real close to the ground. But, uh, like you said, the, what was it, the Mariner? That was in 1691, and I think that was the first mention of the rake in history. Yes. But it seems to be a creature of the night, and uh, I wouldn't like to run into it.
0: (laughs) I know there's a lot of... uh, (gasps) Excuse me. I know there's a lot of television shows that speak of the rake and in some of these they actually show what looks like the rake. Mhm. But anyway, that is a very very strange story. It must be some kind of
1: I well, don't know, some ghost people, or something. Well, some, you know, it could be that some people Think that it maybe uh, it's an alien or a descendant of aliens, but uh, but the
0: way it comes, you know, just appears in your bedroom, or
1: well, it says that it, it brings on nightmares, kind of like a more like an incubus. An incubus uh, will attract dreams or nightmares. While well, you a know, that's
0: the thought. That's the mm-hmm. thought. Maybe it does come to you through your dreams.
1: Right. Right. Kind of
0: like Freddy Krueger, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Want to thank you Victoria. Want to thank everybody for tune- tuning in to Dark Reality. Don't forget to subscribe. Got one more story for you. Hold on. Good evening and welcome to Dark Reality. Today's second story, the Travis Walton UFO incident. The Travis Walton UFO incident was the alleged alien abduction of an American forestry worker named Charles or Travis Walton on November fifth, nineteen seventy-five, while he. And his workers were working in the Apache Sitgreaves National Forest near Snowflake, Arizona. Walton reappeared after five days' search. The Walton case recovered mainstream publicity and remains one of the best-known alien abduction stories ever, according to Walton. On November fifth, nineteen 1975, he was working with a tim- in a timber stand improvement crew in the Apache Sitgreaves National Forest near Snowflake, Arizona. While riding in the truck with six other co-workers, they encountered a saucer-shaped object hoovering over the ground approximately 110 feet away. Making a high-pitched buzz, Walton claims that after he left the truck and approached the object, a beam of light suddenly appeared and knocked him unconscious. The other six men were frightened and supposedly drove away. Walton claims that he awoke in a hospital-like room being observed by three short, bald creatures. He claimed that he fought with these creatures until a human wearing a helmet led Walton into another room where he blacked out as three other humans put a clear plastic mask over his face. Walton has claimed he remembers nothing until they found himself walking along the highway five days later with the flying saucer departed from above. In the days that followed, Walton's UFO claim attracted the attention of the National Enquirer who awarded Wal- Walton and his co-workers a 5000 Dollar prize for the best UFO case of the year. After they passed a polygraph test administered by the Inquirer and the aerial phenomenon research, skeptics consider the case to be a hoax, describing it as sensationalized on the part of the media. And A put-up job to make money, says UFO researcher Philip J. Klass, considered Walton's story to be a hoax perpetrated for financial gain and discovered many discrepancies in the account of Walton and his co-workers. After investigating the case class reported that the polygraph tests were poorly administrated or administered, that Walton used polygraph countermeasures, such as holding his breath, and that class uncovered the early failed administered administrated by the examiner who included the case involved gross deception. It's also noted that Travis Walton actually fought with the aliens never getting in giving in to their advances. Either way he was found five days later Walking the street. Bewildered. Scared. So what do you think about that, Victoria?
1: I believe the man. <clears throat> Anyone who's going to go out <clears throat> go out of their way to write a book about something like that i'm sure it 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 actually happened to him what i find strange is uh he was with his other uh employers or employees and he gets struck by this beam of light or beam of energy and the way he describes it is that it it's like a, a instant numbness that goes through his body right and uh it said that uh he was thrown 20 to 20 to 30 feet in the air. So his other uh, crew members thought, there's no way he could have lived through that.
0: They all thought he was dead.
1: They all thought he was dead. And then he went missing for, what was it, five, six days? Five days. Yeah, and he uh, eventually came, he was found wandering the road, wasn't it?
0: Yes. You know, since that time, um, his relationship with his coworkers never was the same or with his family never was the same he was a different man um but of course i'm sure a situation like that would change you
1: Mm -hmm. it's an encounter of the fourth kind
0: yes and no matter how you look at it either way it's uh another story in alien abduction and there are plenty of them um how can so many people be wrong
1: right I think uh the reason why it is so terrifying is because you have no control over the situation. Like they he, they hit them with that beam of, beam of light and he was he couldn't move.
0: From what I understand is they got him in the ship through some kind of tractor beam. It right. Got a hold of him and actually pulled him into the craft.
1: Mhm.
0: But um you know and that's that's just that's just what I've heard. Right. Now, the co-workers didn't say that because when when the beam of light hit him and it threw him that 20, 30 feet, mm-hmm. they said that he landed in such a fashion.
1: That they thought he was dead. They thought
0: he was dead, and they took off.
1: You can't really blame them, though. So no, no, no. <laughs> I would have been gone, too. But they he...
0: doubled back to come get him.
1: And then he was nowhere he was to be already
0: found. He was already gone. All of it was gone. And then, uh... And another thing <laughs> that I've, I've heard that, um... The co-workers were all under investigation. They were... As if
1: they had murdered him As or if something? they had
0: done, in, done him in or right. something.
1: They had something to do with it. So that.
0: they all had to agree to take polygraph tests, which they all passed.
1: They all pa- Even Travis passed, yeah. too.
0: And uh, I don't believe any charges were filed oh. at that time. But the guys were detained.
1: Right.
0: You know. So either way... I want to thank Victoria for her comments. Also, want to remind everybody to subscribe. Thanks for your support. This is John Ringo with Victoria. Thank you so much. And remember, we'll see you next time. Goodbye.